0: Ezekiel 37, this uh, has been on my mind for probably a couple of weeks, and uh, so I'd like to share it with you today. tonight, we, I was able to do some study on it today, thank the Lord for that. And uh, Ezekiel 37, and we'll begin reading with verse number 1, that's page 881, your Scofield Bible, Ezekiel 37. The hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me out in the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones and caused me to pass by them round about and behold there were very many in the open valley and lo they were very dry and he said unto me son of man can these bones live and I answered O Lord God thy knowest again he said unto me prophesy upon these bones and say unto them O oh, ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will bring up flesh upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you, and ye shall live. That thing is still uh, causing problems, in it? And ye shall know that I am the Lord. And so I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. And when I beheld, lo, the sinews and the flesh came up upon them, and the skin covered them above, but there was no breath in them. Then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood upon their feet an exceeding great army. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried, and our hope is lost. We are cut off for our parts." Therefore prophesy and say unto them, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, O my people, I will open your graves, and cause you to come up out of your graves, and bring you into the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord, when I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you up out of your graves. I shall put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I shall place you in your own land. Then shall you know that I, the Lord, have spoken it, and performed it, saith the Lord. Okay, let us pray. Father, we thank you for your love and mercy to us. Thank you, Lord, for the Word of God in this time to study. And I pray you'd help us, give us understanding. May I be able to deliver the message in the way that will please and honor you. Thank you for your goodness to us this week. Bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, this uh, scripture is, uh, now there's no doubt about the interpretation of it because he tells us that it refers to Israel and the regathering of the nation of Israel from the graves of the nations of the world. But if I could make application of it tonight and uh, to revival, uh, I trust that our thoughts are in that direction. Uh, And uh, we apply it mostly to resurrection, I guess. And uh, again, that's not the true interpretation, the primary interpretation of the scripture, but it certainly can have an application. And that's what I'd like to do tonight. Now, I, you know, I've thought about some statements I've made in the past and some statements I've heard many other preachers make. And that is that revival is for saved people uh, and that what lost people need is a resurrection. The more i study this subject, uh, the more I wonder about uh, that statement. Uh, let me give you a definition as I uh, tried to do some research on this subject of revival. Uh, according to the concordance, it means to live, whether literally or figuratively, to recover life and live again. So, as it's used in the Bible, it has to do with life, and and is certainly close, so so say, with resurrection. I think I understand the statement that is made that, uh, you know, we think of revival meeting, we think of it as uh, saved people getting uh, stirred and encouraged and helped and strengthened in the Lord and, and so forth. Uh, but, uh, and of course, uh, lost people, they, according to Ephesians 2, 1, they definitely need a resurrection. But let me give you some scriptures and how it is used. It is used to describe physical resurrection or bodily resurrection. In 2 Kings 13:21 we have a very unusual account there. You remember the story of, of uh, Eli- e- Elisha. And uh, even after he was dead, they, uh, this uh, army, uh, they had a man that was killed, and they were going to bury him. They, there they had to bury him in a hurry. So they let him down in the, in the grave of Elisha. And verse 21 said, When the man was let down and touched the bones of Elijah, he revived and stood up on his feet. (laughs) Uh, Even after Elijah was dead, just touching the bones, caused this man to be revived, or literally to be resurrected. He came back to life, physically. Then in Romans 14, verse 9, For to, to this end, Christ both died and rose, and then he says, and revived that he might be Lord both of the dead and living, referring to the resurrection of Christ. It is also used in a spiritual sense. Genesis 45, 27. Uh, there when uh, the news came to Jacob that Joseph is still alive and he's in Egypt. Listen to what it says. And they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said unto them. And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob, their father, revived. Uh, He was stirred and and revived in his spirit. We have it used in that sense. And then in Psalm 85, verse 6, Will thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Here is a revival of joy, and a revival, I think, that we associate with. That scripture has been used many times as a revival text. Will thou not revive us again, And the result is that thy people may rejoice in thee. And, of course, their primary interpretation is talking Israel. But we use it in application to the people of God today. And, And then I think connected with the text of the Scripture here, Hosea 6, 2. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up and we shall live in his sight. Again, we have revival there associated with life. After two days will he revive us. And I, I believe this is a prophetic scripture. We know 2 Peter there 3 says uh, that uh, uh, one day is will the Lord's a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. So after two days, after two thousand years, uh, will he revive us? And the third day, I believe, representing the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ, he will raise us up and we shall live in His sight. Now He said He will revive us, and that's what He's talking about in this chapter, the reviving of the nation of Israel. But I just wanted to give you those scriptures to show how the word is used, and of course there are other scriptures where it is used, but I think this pretty well covers how the word is used in the Bible. But as we apply to church revival and revival for Christian people, uh, we'd like to look at our text and, and see how it relates here. In verse 1 and 2, let me just read that again. The hand of the Lord was upon me, carried me out in the Spirit of the Lord, and sent me down in the midst of a valley, which was full of bones, and caused me to pass by them round about. And behold, there were very many in the open valley, and, lo, they were very dry. And uh, this, uh, the first point i like to make is uh, the, there were some bones there. Uh, you know, uh, we could say some bodies, I guess. Uh, if you're going to have revival, you've got to have somebody to revive. <laughs> that kind of goes without saying, don't it? You've got to have somebody or something uh, to revive. And so the Lord takes Ezekiel there uh, in the spirit to this valley of bones. And the Bible says here it was full of bones. Now that relates to the number. Uh, the uh, number of, of bones there, and, and verse 2 said there were very many uh, there of, of these bones. So this indicates that uh, that uh, this was an army that, had, in fact, if you read on over as he's given this story, uh, it indicates that... Uh, uh, that they had been, uh, uh, had been slain. I don't see the verse right off, but we'll probably get to it there. And uh, the number of uh, people that had been killed. Uh, so there were many. And uh, as we think about that in relation to, uh, to spiritual things, uh, you know, I believe uh, we need revival. And not only do we need revival, but America needs revival. Uh, and the world needs revival. So we have a, a world full of, of bones. Uh, you know, I was uh, reading Dr. McGee and his uh, thoughts on this scripture. And, uh, he said, you know, it's not proper for a preacher to get up and say we have a congregation full of dry bones. <laughs> but uh, uh, sometimes maybe it needs to be said and uh, the the Negro spiritual that that was written, you know, about the bones, kind of based on this scripture here, them bones, and uh, one bone joined to another bone. And uh, then uh, we we also, a point here is uh, the bones themselves. That relates to time, Uh, the bones. Uh, You know, if you bury a person, and uh, you go back and you have nothing but a few dry bones, then that indicates the person's been dead for a period of time. I mean, all the, it doesn't mention all, uh, any hair. You know, a lot of times a person may have uh, uh, died many years ago, and, and they, they uh, dig the grave up, and, and uh, there are still maybe some bones, but maybe some hair. It doesn't mention that here, just, just the bones. So it indicates a, a period of time. Uh, had passed, and, uh, and uh, uh, this indicates a condition that had gone on. As we think of it in a spiritual sense, uh, you know, a condition that's, that's gone on for a while. Not only, uh, you know, uh, do we need revival, and, and we need revival worldwide, and, and uh, we all need revival. But uh, how long has it been since we've had revival? Uh, you know, uh, someone, some great preacher of the past said this is the only generation uh, that has never seen a real revival. Uh, a moving of God that you read about in, in the books and of great men that have gone by in time periods and, and the moving of God. Uh, you know, I, I, think, I think it's tragic that, uh, that churches and, and Christians uh, have gone for, for a long time without having revival. We may have a little taste of revival. Uh, maybe two or three get revived. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, when a real revival takes place, there'll be a difference. And you can have a week of meetings now, and a month later, you'd never know you had it. People say, oh, we had a good revival. Uh, we had visitors come in, and we had, uh, we had some good preaching. All oh, enjoyed it. It was good preaching. And, and yet, lives, things remain the same. Lives are not changed souls are not saved, and, and uh, no after effects revival. What I'd like to see a revival that lasts, a revival that changes. And, uh, and we need revival. This condition of these bones that, that have been in this condition for a long time. Then he tells us they are very dry. Now this indicates the place. Uh, he didn't take him to a swamp uh, you know, to, to show him these bones. Uh, this indicates probably a desert place, a dry place. And, and the bones are very dry. You know, it's, it's one thing to be, to be dry, and it's another thing to be very dry. Uh, I think I've been thirsty before, then I've been very thirsty. And, and, and there's a difference. Uh, so, uh, you know, the Scripture that talks about, um, is in Jude uh, or Peter, it's over there, uh, you know, in the epistles, and it said they're twice dead and plucked up of the roots. Now, that's, uh, that's pretty dry, isn't it? <laughs> uh, twice dead, plucked up of the roots, and, and this uh, kind of indicates the, the situation here. So, uh, you know, we need certainly to realize the condition for revival to come, uh, we need to realize where we're at. And uh, that Lord, I'm, 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 I'm dry, and and I've been in this condition too long, and and, and I need help, and uh, uh, you know it's, uh, we all need it. You know Isaiah there said I, uh, you know I, uh, I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people, of unclean lips. You know he's saying I need help, Lord, and looks like we we'll all need it. <laughs> looks like we we'll all need help. Uh, so we, we have this condition of these bones. Then let me move on. You need not only that, but uh, you need the sovereign hand of the Lord. Verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried him out there. Now the, the condition that we see described here is a, is a desperate condition. You know why we don't have revival? We're not desperate enough. You know, when you really pray, you know the times that you've really prayed and I've really prayed? It's the times when we've been desperate and said, Oh, God, I have to have you. And we get to want a revival like that, we'll have revival. When we get desperate for it. Now, these bones, they're in a desperate condition. I want to ask you the question, could these bones do anything to help themselves? Could they get together? Could they grow flesh upon the bones? Could they stand up an army? No. They could do nothing but get drier and lay there. And uh, I think the Lord helped me understand, uh, you know, we, 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 we talk a lot about uh, we need to do this in the conditions of revival, and, and the Bible does talk about those things. But in the final analysis, revival is an act of God's grace. It's something that God gives us that we don't deserve. If He gives us revival because we deserve it, we'll never have it. It's something God in His grace does for us. We need to desire it. We need to pray about it. We need to do these things. But uh, you can do all that and not have revival. Can't you? You know? I mean you can visit and pray and get a preacher in preach and have preaching, do everything you ought to do, and I'm not condemning those things, won't do those things, encouraged to do those things. But uh, when it comes down to it, revival only comes when God pleases to give revival. Right. And it's an act of grace. Listen to what Isaiah 57, 15 says. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also, that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Now notice the condition. He say, "Oh, they had to be humble." You know what? That indicates to me a person that's humble and a person that's contrite. I think is saying in the heart, "Lord, I can't do it. <laughs> All I can do is fall before you, Lord, and." Asked you to do it for me. And he said, I'm the, I'm the high and holy one, lofty one, that inhabiteth eternity whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. But he says, I revive those that are the contrite and humble spirit. Turn to Revelation 3, if you would please. Revelation 3. Revelation chapter 3. A very familiar scripture. And uh, Revelation 3, I'm trying to stay close to this microphone. It's kind of confining. But uh, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 14. And unto the angel of the church of the land of sins, write, These things saith amen, the faithful and true witness the beginning of the creation of God. I know thy works, if thou art neither cold nor hot, I would thy work cold or hot. So then, because thy art lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Now notice what they say, verse 17, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Now you think that church can have a revival? We are rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. That's their attitude toward themselves. Listen to what the last part says: "And knowest not that thou wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked." The way they see themselves and the way God sees them is two different pictures. He said, "I counsel thee to buy me gold tried in the fire, that thou mayest be rich in white raiment; that thou mayest be clothed, that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. Anoint thine eyes with I save that thou mayest see as many as I love." I rebuke and chasten, be zealous therefore, and repent. Now, what's the condition? They've got to change their attitude toward themselves and realize their need. He says, you need gold trying the fire, you need white raiment, you you need clothing, and so forth. And verse 20 gives the gracious invitation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door... I will come into him, and will sup with him, and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and sat down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. And so uh, there is the Lord shut outside the door, knocking and wanting to get in. But it takes the sovereign hand of God to have revival. Then not only that, but back to Ezekiel 37, it takes the Spirit of the Lord. Verse 1, the hand of the Lord was upon me and carried me uh, out in the Spirit of the Lord and sent me down in the midst of the valley which was full of bones. It takes the Spirit of God. Uh, you can have everything. You can advertise. You can do everything you can do, but you'll not have a revival without the Holy Spirit. And in Zechariah 4 and verse 6, he says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And that scripture is relating to the return of of the Jews in captivity. And it looked like a hopeless situation. And the prophet uh, there speaking for the Lord said, It's not going to be by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And he, he talks about the opposition as a mountain, a mountain in the way. And he said, it'll become a plane before you. God said, I'll level it down. And uh, illustrating the power of God's Spirit. In 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 6, For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. John 6, 63, It is the Spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, their Spirit and their life. These, this is what Jesus said there that uh, it takes the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God the word of, uses the Word of God, and that brings me to the next point, verse 4, is the Scriptures. Again, He said unto me, Prophesy upon these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. And so He says, uh, Hear the word of the Lord. It took the Word of God to do the job. Now I want to give you a couple examples of this, uh, and, and I hope you'll take the time, as I did today, to reread 2 Kings 22 and 23. Uh, I'm going to turn there, but I'm not going to uh, you know, read, uh, I might read a verse or two here in these scriptures, but I'll try to give you the story here. Uh, King Josiah is talking about the subtle about Josiah today. And Josiah was only eight years old when he began to reign. Now, can you imagine that? <laughs> he's a kid. He's just eight. How old are you, Joel? You eight? So he's Joel's age. And uh, King Joel, <laughs> how'd you like to be president? <laughs> well, uh, Josiah is king. And, and uh, you know, the, the amazing thing about Josiah is his dad was wicked, and his granddad was one of the most wicked men that Israel ever had, was uh, Manasseh, and uh, and uh, he had this uh, he had this uh, uh, heritage, and yet Josiah was one of the the greatest kings that they ever had. He was uh, he was a fine fine king, and. Uh, We have, uh, the Bible said he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Walked in all the way of David his father. Turned out his sides to the right hand to the left. That is verse 2. And uh, anyway, they they find the law of Moses. Now can you imagine that? Here's a nation and they've lost the word of God. (laughs) The law of God is discovered. And they bring the law and they read it to King Josiah. And Josiah rends his clothes and says the judgment of God is on us because we've not obeyed this law. And uh, he humbles himself before God and, and uh, the word of God comes to him and, and lets him know that uh, uh, the judgment will come but it will not happen in his lifetime because of his attitude and his humility God's going to spare him. And uh, we find that, uh, uh, that they, they read the Word of God uh, there in, in chapter 23. I want to read verse 2. And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah, and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests, and the prophets, and all the people, both small and great. And he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant, which was found in the house of the Lord. And, and they, they read the word of God. Verse 3 said, The king stood by a pillar, made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord, to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all their heart and all their soul to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people stood to the covenant. They read the word of God. Can you imagine that happening in Washington, D.C.? Can you imagine the president Address in a, you know, uh, maybe a State of the Union address. Address in a joint session of Congress. And say, you know, I've been reading the Word of God. And, and we've not been obeying it. And say, I'm going to spend this time reading, reading some of God's Word. And you find Josiah, read on in chapter 23, I'll tell you, he cleaned house. <laughs> he got rid of the idols. He got rid of the high places. He, the, all these, these, uh, these false gods uh, uh, that, uh, that they had, uh, had built up, and some of them back in his granddad's days, and, and it's, it's an interesting reading there and study. They keep the Passover, and God sends revival. Sure One of the greatest revivals they had, because they read the Word of God, and, and they, they made an effort to obey the Word of God. Then I want you to turn to another revival that happened later in the book of Nehemiah, and that's uh, chapter eight and nine. Uh, that's page five hundred and forty-nine. Nehemiah uh, is uh, right before the book of Job. There, uh, Nehemiah eight, and uh, we have uh, revival under under Nehemiah. Nehemiah was the was the uh, uh, cut barrier of the king, and he has permission to go and rebuild the wall and all. Uh, and uh, he brings, uh, or God brings revival under him. Uh, this is the returning remnant uh, from uh, the Babylonian captivity. And uh, uh, we have them uh, uh, reading there. I was reading this uh, this scripture here, and it talks about a water gate. <laughs> that wasn't Nixon's water gate, different water gate. <coughs> but... Uh, the Bible says here in verse 3 uh, that he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of all. Now, can you imagine that? I mean, they read a half a day. Read the word of God from morning until midday and everybody paid attention. You know, you can't all get people attention 30 minutes, much less a half a day. Not even the Apostle Paul, you know, accomplished that. He preached the midnight. The fellow went to sleep and fell, fell out, and he had to raise him from the dead. But uh, it said they were attentive. And uh, verse 5: Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. It talks about he, he is on a pulpit there, pulpit of wood, in verse 4. And that's where I guess all that started. And, uh, and when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Sound like they kind of got excited. <laughs> they got excited about the Word of God. And uh, uh, in verse 8 talks about what preachers and teachers ought to be doing. So they read in the book, Uh, In the law of God distinctly gave the sense, caused them to understand the reading. Uh, Then on over in chapter 9, and uh, let me read uh, two or three verses there. Verse 1, Now on the twenty-fourth day of this month the children of Israel were assembled fasting and with sackcloth and earth upon them. And the seed of Israel separated themselves from all strangers and stood and confessed their sins and the iniquities of their fathers. And they stood up in their place and read in the book of the law of the Lord, their God, one-fourth part of the day, and another-fourth part they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. And they had revival. I can remember when I was growing up, I mean, when you had revival, a preacher preach, people get right with God. People had been backslid on the Lord; they'd get right with God, and they'd stand and confess. You know, I've I've not been living for God, and I've been out of church, and I, God's forgiven me, and I want God's people to forgive me. What happened to that? And uh, we have we have it happening here, and uh, you know, I don't believe you have to confess secret sins, but I believe public sins ought to be confessed publicly, don't you? You know, open sins. Uh, You know, public sins ought to be confessed publicly. Secret sins, uh, that's between you and the Lord. But uh, anyway, this happened. And they confessed their sins, the iniquities of their fathers. The Bible says here, They read in the book of the law of God, one fourth part of the day. Another fourth part, they confessed and worshipped the Lord their God. Now the Bible says in Proverbs 28 and verse 9, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law... Even his prayer shall be an abomination. You know, if I won't hear the word of God, I can't get my prayers answered. If I refuse to hear the word of God, I read in the word of God, or I hear the word of God preached, and God speaks to my heart and points out something in my life that's not right, and I say, I don't agree with that old preacher. I'm going to do what I please. Can't get your prayers answered. And that's what he says, isn't that what he says? Proverbs 28, 9, He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be abomination. And if I knowingly and willfully reject the word of God, uh, then uh, I can't get my prayers answered. Uh, You know, sometimes we, I think we ought to examine ourselves, as the Bible commands us to do, and, uh, uh, you know, see, Lord, I'm not getting my prayers answered. What's wrong? Why, why is my prayers not being answered? And uh, that's just one, one reason, many other reasons. Uh, well, let's find Ezekiel again here. Get back in Ezekiel. One other point I want to make for I run out of time here in Ezekiel 37. And uh, the, the fifth point is that uh, there needs to be a shaking <laughs> Uh, we have in verse uh, 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a noise, and behold, a shaking, and the bones came together, bone to his bone. When I beheld, lo, the sinews and flesh came upon them, and the skin covered them above. There was no breath in them. I mean, he had a bunch of dead corpses. He had bones with flesh on them. Now, bones come together. And then said he unto me, Prophesy unto the wind, Prophesy, son of man, and say to the wind, Thus saith the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came unto them, and they lived, stood up upon their feet, an exceeding great army. There was a shaking. And uh, we need a shaking. Uh in Acts, we read a couple of places in the book of Acts where there was a shaking. Acts four thirty one, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. And then in Acts 16, 26, and suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loose. We need a, a moving of God, you know. God to shake us out of our complacency and our unconcern and stir us uh, to, to do something for God. You know, a lot of times their attitude is like verse 11. Then he said unto me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried, our hope is lost, and we're cut off for our parts. You know what their attitude was? You know, no hope. You know, we're, uh, we're, uh, our bones are dried, our hope is lost, and we're cut off. We can't have revival. Uh, It can't happen. Well, that that was their attitude. Well, we can't bring it, that's for sure, but God can. God's the one that can do it. He's able to shake this place. I'd love to see God do that. Uh, I'd love to see God move one more time like he did in, in days of old and some of you've been there hadn't you some of you remember the moving of god and the shaking of god i'm not talking about a put on fleshly thing uh, i'm talking about the moving of god's holy spirit in a way that that changes lives and changes hearts and saves souls and uh, you know I, I read about i'm trying to remember was it tory one of those one of those great men that uh, uh, you know, he, he went in this factory, and, uh, and the power of God was so, so real and so manifest that, uh, that people began to fall uh, in the, on their knees in that factory and cry to God for mercy and for salvation until they, they had to close the factory down and shut it down, and, and they had revival, <laughs> and they had service, and had preaching uh, in, in a factory. I've never seen nothing like that, have you? <laughs> I've never seen nothing like that, but it's happened in the past. Uh, I mean, it happened. And you read about uh, the Welch revival and, and these other revivals that God gave and the moving of God. Same God. He hadn't died. Same Lord. Still on the throne. Still able, isn't he? Uh, but sometimes our attitude is well, that is then, you know, and this is now and can't happen now. Uh, Well, it can happen. And sometimes it don't happen because we don't want it to happen. We're not desperate enough for it. Uh, You know, a lot of times we'd we'd like to see see the Lord do something, but uh, we're not desperate to to pay the price, are we? It takes a whole lot to have a resurrection. You know, I think of the Lord there as he went up to the mountain and was transfigured and he came back down. The disciples were trying to cast, uh, you know, cure this fellow, this boy, get these devils out of him and, and uh, the Lord said this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting uh, I mean the Lord was able but uh, they didn't want it bad enough evidently so I pray that you know let me encourage you if you didn't jot those scriptures down Second Kings 22 and 23 and Nehemiah 8 and 9 uh, you know if you'd Take the time just to read those chapters sometime this week, or at least sometime before revival. There's other, of course, many other good scriptures, but 2 Kings 22 and 23, I just give you the highlights of them, and Nehemiah 8 and 9, and uh, what God did for those people, uh, you know, was a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing, and God's able to do it again. Uh, Let's bow our heads, please.